Episode 17 of the Canes Country Podcast. It's the reverse Evgeny Malkin because there's no Carolina Hurricanes players that have war number 17 um, and done so worth noting. Uh, my name is Brett Finger. I'm joined by Justin Lape and Kyle Morton. Welcome back, Kyle Morton. Hey guys, how's everybody doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, still full from Thanksgiving. That's definitely not healthy. That's weird. That's yeah, like rid of I, that. sh- I should get that checked out, honestly. What was your favorite thing that you ate on Thanksgiving, Justin? Uh, has to be the turkey. Has to. Um, mashed potatoes were, were definitely stellar this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shouts out to the mom. She's probably not going to listen to this, but she never really does. You know, <laughs> Great support, though. Great support. Kyle, how about you? I would have to go with the turkey and stuffing, for sure. Just a classic combo that can't be beat. Uh, mac and cheese was also very good. Shout out, shout out to my girlfriend's mom, who certainly won't listen to this, but <laughs> makes really good mac. She's really good mac. She's like you. She's like you. Do a what now? <laughs> oh, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. Gotcha. Um, what is the worst thing? Not that you ate necessarily, but what is the worst Thanksgiving food you guys can think of? Turkey's bad. Turkey and stuffing both, are both terrible. You're, your opinion, is, your opinion is garbage. <laughs> wow, Justin, that was a little. Wrong. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Kyle mentioned his earlier. He said yams. I always like green eggs and yams on on Thanksgiving. Okay, that's enough. We should just get to talking about hockey, as Doctor Seuss would say. Yes. No, we haven't talked about Thanksgiving enough yet. Oh, oh, we need to stretch this out. <laughs> yeah, no, my my one gripe in that you can keep this in, or you you don't have to if you don't want to. Why aren't there many Thanksgiving songs? Uh, I I just feel like I feel like that. It, it, Chance kind of talked about it in a Saturday Night Live appearance where he was like, "Yeah, people don't capitalize." On wait, wait, wait. He did something other than the hockey thing, because that's the yes, only thing I he ever did something like other than the hockey skit because. Hockey media took that, and boy, did they run with it. I saw that roughly 400 times. Oh, yeah. It's not the Emmy. It was good, but then people just started overplaying it because... It wasn't that good. Every hockey media... Whoa, whoa. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Let's do that hockey. Stop it. (laughs) Let's do that hockey. It's like a reference. Yeah, good job. Good job. What's it referencing? (laughs) Some skit that he did, I, I guess. Canes had a four-game homestand since the last time we talked. They faced the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they just finished it up with a win over the Nashville Predators. Kyle, your thoughts? Oh, I I was not a fan of this homestand, if I got to be honest. The uh, the Islanders game was great. Um, it was good to see Aho and Teravainen keep their, keep their run going. Um, Ward played well. The Ranger game was a disaster completely. Uh, and then the Leafs game was a disaster, mostly because I think there was a little bit of an overreaction to Darling's performance against the Rangers. So they went back to Ward for the second time in three games uh, against Toronto, which didn't work out very well because, uh, you know, you get behind 5-2. to two, The game's kind of over, even if you have a good enough run to get back to 5-4. to four, And, you know, maybe there's a goalie on this team who wouldn't have given up five of the goals. You're, I mean... The last time the Hurricanes played Toronto, they won, and Scott Darling was in net. So, 
it makes sense to put the other goalie in net. It won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Lightning never strikes twice. <laughs> They're first in the league, actually. So The Lightning never lose twice. The Preds game was good. Didn't get to watch much of it because I was traveling back from, from Thanksgiving happenings, but they won, so that's good. Rask was he, good, I heard. He was. That's that's what you want to see from him. I mean, yeah. The guy has not has a hard time for a couple games and then gets going. Yeah, it was just a couple games, you know? <laughs> just a couple couple games got away from him there. He had a couple bad games. A couple of sets of 20 games. Good to see that he had he's had two good games since then. So we're even. Yep, we're about good. Trade value back where it should be for Victor Rask. Yeah, his trade value bar, if we were playing NHL, would be back to like two-fifths of the way full instead of like one-ninth of the way full. <laughs> Justin, do you have opinions? Yes, I do have opinions. Um, yeah, I kind of side with Kyle. Uh, it, was a, it was a sloppy homestand. The Islanders game was great, as he mentioned, for Ajo and Tara Vine, and it was It was a game we saw Ward play extremely well. He It was, it was a reckless style. He played street of, hockey. Yeah, it was a reckless style of play. As you can see, he kind of came out to slide and make that save, and then he just stood up, caught Tavares's shot like a boss, and then threw it into the corner like it was nothing. Yeah, that was an interesting play if you're able to go back and look at that. Um, yeah, the Rangers game, the wheels did fall off the wagon. It was it was not pretty at all. Rock me, mama, like a wheels falling off the wagon. Wheels fall off the Wheel. wagon, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you want to get those two points against division opponents, and you know it kind of kind of sucks that you couldn't even scrape one out of that. Now the Toronto game was actually the first game I was able to cover for Kane's Country while at it. Um, that was fun, but the team on the ice underperformed. Uh, I think you can't base all the blame on Cam Ward, but he wasn't sharp. He was he was like a he wasn't like a knife, but. He was like a sponge in terms of sharpness. Yeah, he wasn't, uh, you know, like a meat cutter. He was a butter knife. He was like a sponge. He absorbed everything that came his way. Oh, wait. Whoops. Well. (laughs) Oh, burn. He absorbed a lot of hate. Yeah, that that he definitely. For his absolutely atrocious performance. He definitely did. Um, I think that whole three goals is enough thing is kind of doesn't apply to this team as much. Um, We've lost twice out of our last, what, seven games where we scored four goals and didn't win. Um, You know, you just want a better defensive effort in that game. I think Justin Falk made some bad jumps. Hannafin was in in that game. But, you know, it was nice for him to get that goal that brought it close. And then, you know, there was was a real chance where they could have scored with, you know, a few seconds left to tie that game. which would have been, you know, kind of the craziness we see from this team. But, yeah, not not the effort you want. And then the Nashville game, great to get a shootout win. Um, it seems like too many times when it gets to the shootout, you know, you either hang your head or Bill Peters sends out, you know, Derek Ryan and Brock McGinn. Oh, wait, Brock McGinn? Yeah. He, oh. He's good, right? I don't, I don't, I don't think his skill set is properly – uh, used uh, when you use him in a shootout. It was Brock McGinn, Sebastian Ajo, and Tavo Teravainen, and one of those does not fit with the other two. Would you like to take a guess which one doesn't fit? Um, 
Alho does not have an I in his last name. <laughs> Neither does McGinn. What? What? <laughs> Brett, rethink this. I said it. I knew what I was doing when I said it, Kyle. I was fully aware of what I was doing. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but it was great for Victor Rask uh, to, you know, get that rebound chance um, and kind of get the monkey off his back, more or less, um, you know, over these, you know, few games that he has been in. I mean, he looked good in the Toronto game. He got stoned a few times uh, from Anderson. Like, there was a few chances right out in front and he had uh, a chance, but... You know, Anderson was really good in that game until the third period, basically. But no, uh, yeah, Nashville win is good, and it, it gets them rolling into a week where they need a few wins, especially against uh, some some tough divisional customers, including a team that whooped them pretty bad earlier this week. So the Islander game, of course, you know, what more can you say about it? Cam Ward? played like it was 1985 and he absolutely uh he did some things that were questionable but but they worked the tsa line was very very good they haven't scored really often over these past three games since the thanksgiving eve uh not very good one that they that they lost six to one in and scott darling uh struggled mightily when that when that second goal went in that that center ice pop fly that darling couldn't track it was it was kind of the feel of that's that that'll do it for that one toronto game so i was actually at the toronto game as well i was not up in the press box like justin leap i was not having dinner with lou lamorello but (laughs) but um i was with my girlfriend at the game i missed the entire or we missed the entire first period which sounded like a pretty good period uh, based on the fact that they outshot the Maple Leafs 33-2 to in that first period. And, Just about. And then once we were finally able to uh, get StubHub to cooperate, those guys at StubHub, you know how they don't cooperate sometimes, uh, we got in there for the second period, and they waited for us to sit down in our seats, get all comfortable, and then Cam Ward um, didn't play very well in the second period. He allowed four goals. He was pulled, looked like it was pretty much over, but the way that they fought back in the third was at least uh, commendable. They they didn't give up on the game like they did against the Rangers. Uh, did all of y'all see the, the Jeff Skinner goaltender interference call? I did see that. Yes, I did as well. Not a great call, honestly. I agree with that. It was a flop. It was pretty clearly a flop. Um, and yeah, one... I I was frankly surprised that he didn't get called for unsportsmanlike as well he was very upset. because he was having some words with the official. So um, yeah, that was that was, that was a little weird. Well, you know, you got to take into the into account that Frederick Anderson is six foot four, two thirty, and you know, as those sized people are, you know, they can get easily knocked down by Jeff Skinner very easily. You know. You know, imagine being six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and seeing a what five eleven, two hundred pound human being coming towards you. I know if I was a six foot four, two hundred thirty pound goaltender wearing full padding, I would I would just fall right on over on any contact, and especially if I initiated the contact, 
at the edge of the crease. I mean, I get that Anderson fell down, and that's, you know, that's whatever. But I just don't get why you call that a two-minute penalty. I mean, if anything, if you want to stop the play and have a face-off in the neutral zone, I get that. But I really, I really don't understand why. At that point of a game, in the third period, you call that a goaltender interference. It was very, very odd to me. But hockey isn't fair sometimes. Happens. Correct. Puck, don't lie. <laughs> Nashville game I was covering um, for Kane's country, and that was a, a pretty good one. Uh, the Josh Joris goal was, was very good. Marcus Kruger's stretch pass on that goal was unforeseen. I did not see that one coming off of the stick of Marcus Kruger, who is tripling Justin Falk this year in five-on-five points which is an interesting little tidbit of information if you are wanting to hear such things. I thought Jordan Stahl had a very good game. He had a lot of chances in close and tight. He led all Carolina skaters in time on ice with 23 minutes on the dot. He was terrific until that tripping penalty in overtime, which could have been absolutely just the worst. You send your best penalty killer to the box for a four-on-three penalty kill, that could have been bad, but Kruger and Nordstrom blocked some pretty important shots there, especially Nordstrom, who blocked two P.K. Suvan slap shots uh, within the course of about 15 seconds, and he cleared the zone afterwards. So pretty impressive stuff from them, some heart, some some grit. Rascal was, was promising because really against Toronto, he played really well, and he got a lot of opportunities you can see the the effort level with him really jumping out, and he hasn't really done that since January of uh, of last year, or I should say of this year, last season, uh, January 2017. He's been playing these past two games have been the best two games of his season, or among them. He's uh, he looks like he's trying and caring again, which is which is huge because that's a top six centerman when he's at his best, and he, he makes this team a lot more dangerous and a lot deeper. 2-2 two and two on the homestand, uh, I mean, I would have loved to see them get one of those New York or Toronto games, especially the Toronto game. That game, I think that they outplayed the Maple Leafs. Uh, it was a decent situation for the Canes, but things are starting to get out of hand now. they got to start winning. They need to stop you know, winning 3 out of 5 and start winning 4 out of 4 every once in a while, or else the they're not gonna be in the playoffs again. Man, they got they gotta get consistent. You know, like y- you see so much promise, so much promise from from a lot of these games: the Nashville game, the New York Islander game, and then they tank three periods against the Rangers, and that middle period against Toronto was a mixture of poor defensive coverage and Cam Ward, uh, as expected, coming back down to earth after turning into Dominic Hasek against the Islanders. So uh, I think we'd be looking at things a lot differently now if the Hurricanes uh, didn't lay an egg against the Rangers because they were right there, neck and neck. They would have jumped ahead of the Rangers with two games in hand on them still, and things would have been looking really good. But I I don't know why they weren't ready to play that hockey game. I have bad news for you, Brett. They're going to lose? They're going to lose that game. Yeah, they are. Because I'm going. And I was sitting in class today trying to figure this out. I've been to about 15 Hurricanes games on the road. 
That, that might be a little high. Anyway, when I go see the Hurricanes play against the Islanders on the road, the Hurricanes are 4-1. and one. When I go see the Hurricanes play against any team other than the Islanders on the road, 0-7-1. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> should ask for your money back. Can you repeat bash. that one more time? Yeah, yeah. When the Hurricanes play a game on the road, in which I am in attendance, and that team is not the Islanders, oh seven and one. I'm not covering. I'm not covering the Ranger game because the New York Rangers are a, one of the lovely organizations that does not credential blogs, uh, which is they're one they're of the, better than that. They're one of the few teams in the NHL that does not do that at this point because they're just so they're, pure and holy and great. Original great. six, man. Original six. Wait, you just gonna let Bogger into your hockey game? No, you can't just do that. It's it. it you know, it, it impedes on the very sanctity of hockey. Yeah. Anyway, they're gonna lose. When Sir Stanley uh, invented this this game that we all love, he said specifically in other uh, uh, nineteen hundred. No blogs. That uh, is it before then? Is it before nineteen hundred? <laughs> when when was hockey founded, Kyle? When was hockey founded? I think it was in the 1800s. Okay. Blackbeard started the, um, the the grow a beard in the playoffs tradition. Okay, so the first indoor hockey game was played on March 3rd, 1875 in Quebec. No bloggers were there. No covering. bloggers were there. No, but at that point, the Canes were destined to relocate to Quebec City. Honest, honestly, though, Kyle, ask for your money back. Don't go. I bet your friend's a great guy, but not great enough. It's gonna be oh eight and one. It's gonna be oh eight and one. It's going to be. I, I like. I'm used to it at this point. Like they can't hurt me anymore. I don't know. At what point does middling around like this become a problem for this team? Well, it's a problem now. They they have a good game, or they have two straight good games. Like look at this Florida and Chicago, or Florida and Columbus in early November. Two straight three one wins. They blow a lead against uh, Chicago. They played well. Whoopsies. They beat the hell out of Dallas. Then the Islander game in New York was not very good. A couple games later, they have the Ranger game. It's just they're so not consistent right now, um, and I don't know if that's fault to the players or the the roster that's assembled or the coaching staff i think it's some sort of mixture of all three but you know at some point they have to start getting some wins and you know stringing them together because they can't just win one win a few in a row and then lose a few in a row have a really good game then completely shit on all the progress that they made the thing about the ranger game when they got absolutely blown out bill peters said uh, that it was really surprising because they played so well against the Islanders. They iced the exact same roster and weren't ready for the hockey game. So I don't know. It's it's a little frustrating and confusing right now, and it better turn around soon. I just don't know if the team's good enough. That's 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 my problem right now. Um, I'm a firm believer in Justin Falk, but when he's playing at the level he's currently playing at, the defense suddenly doesn't look that good. And quietly, very quietly, um, and something no one really seems to want to talk about, Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci have not been that good lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have been struggling. It's good and bad, but it's also true that Noah Hannafin has been the best defensive on this team this year. Mm-hmm. It's good in that you know he's starting to fulfill his potential and look better and better. It's bad in that 
Everyone else isn't playing quite up to their usual level. And obviously Slavin and Pesci aren't underperforming to the degree that Falk is, but they're not where this team needs them to be right now. And as long as those three stay where they are, this team's not going to be good enough. And further, as long as... I mean, I don't, even, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to rag on the forwards because they've been, this team's been scoring a lot lately, and they've just been getting outscored. I, see, I, I think I'm a little bit of, of uh, an opposite. I think that you got to get somebody going other than just the TSA line. I think that they are controlling play. They're, you know, they're, they are scoring, but there's not a line other than them that stands out that's saying, hey, you know, we're making contributions here. It's been scattered. Yeah, but, but the thing uh, is, on the flip side, when the Canes are doing well offensively and Jeff Skinner's not a part of it, that's a good thing because you know any game, Skinner's going to hit that hot stretch. He's gonna he's gonna turn it on and get nine goals in seven games out of nowhere. Yeah. And if he does that at a time when the TSA line is playing the way it is now, this team is gonna be very difficult to beat. But yes, I agree. They need to find a skinner or a line that works that he can produce on because right now they don't have that. I wonder if they're gonna go back to Rask because of he's played well since he got back and I mean they played well together early on last year. They were the only thing really consistently going for much of the first half of last season. Does this team miss Lee Stemniak more than we think Absolutely. they do? 100%. Absolutely. That's a 40-point mm-hmm. score. I think that needs to be talked about more. That is a 40-point score out of your lineup. And I, you can make the argument that Justin Williams was brought in, but he wasn't brought in as a replacement. He was brought in as addition. <laughs> so you're replacing a 40-point guy with another 40-point guy pretty much. And you're getting the same result. I mean, you're not going to be a whole lot better if you're not actually adding anything, which is why I'm kind of still harping on if there's a move to be made to bring in some talent, I think you have to do it. I don't think you have really a choice because with Stepniak out and there is absolutely no sign of him coming back anytime soon, I have my questions about what the hell's going on there. But, you know, you can't count on him to come back. And if you do count on him to at least come back into the lineup, this is a guy that has not played hockey since last year competitively. When I look at this roster, there's not a whole lot telling me that, yeah, this is yeah, this is gonna be fine. Uh really specifically up front because you're right, Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci haven't been great lately. Um I like to I'd like to trust that they will come out of that and I think they will. Uh even Justin Falk. I, I've been tough on Falk, but I I'm definitely not saying that he's not going to come out of it. He definitely will. He's an all-star. He's an established offensive defenseman, and eventually he'll get out of that slump that he's in. But, geez, man, you know, having Stepniak out like that, Slavin and Pesci not playing up to the level that they should be playing at or have been playing at for two seasons, and Justin Falk not really producing how he should be because he has one five-on-five point. Of the defensemen in the league with 300 or more, even or five on five minutes, um, he is 113th out of 114 in even strength points. He has one. It's a goal. Unacceptable, really. I mean, he needs to start playing better. And the fact that so many players are underperforming, uh, specifically on the blue line, compared to where they should be, that's troubling. And Losing Lee Stepniak is such a huge blow. That's 40 points 
that is just being replaced by Williams at this point. I know Williams is overproducing 17 points in 22 games. He's been producing very well. And the fact that he's starting to put the puck in the net more as of late is promising. But he's not supposed to be the replacement for Stepniak. He's supposed to be an addition. He's supposed to be another top nine forward in there to score 40 points. So if Stepniak comes back, who do you take out of the lineup? Because, you know, you said Josh Joris has been playing well. Who do you take out, Nordstrom? Or do you opt for maybe him again? I mean, what? one, I don't think he's going to come back anytime soon. And even if he does, I he hasn't played hockey since April. Like, competitive hockey. He wasn't really taking part in training camp. He practiced a few times and went down to Charlotte, or went to Utica, for a game he had one or two shifts didn't play again since then we have not heard anything about him and that was what like three two or three weeks ago so i have no expectation that lee stemniak is going to be any meaningful part of this team at least not anytime soon and beyond the the struggles from this team uh defensively and uh you know lee stemniak being hurt of course Goaltending hasn't been super consistent. Uh, it's probably not something to freak out about too much considering Darling is still a first-year starter and doing relatively well uh, outside of just some inconsistency. Justin, when you have been watching this team play, is it defense? Is it goaltending? Combination of both? What do you think? It's a combination of both. Um, I think that you, you see it's either the defense is on point and the goaltending isn't great, you know. I think I think that uh, Toronto kind of comes to mind in that game. Or then it's just that the goaltending is just terrible, and the defense is is solid. Um, I think you can't have one or the other. If you can get a complete effort, that's when you start winning hockey games, um, you know. But uh, a nine oh seven for Cam Ward and a nine oh one for Scott Darling. I mean, you want those numbers higher. Um, I, I would cut darling slack. He is in, as you, you know, as we know, he is in his first year as a starter. Um, I think there's been games he's stolen and I think there's games he's been, he's been lucky to come away with points. Um, I, I, and again, Cam Ward in a backup role is, is where you want to keep him. I don't think it's starting to put conversation to, Oh, now all of a sudden Ward, um, should start games more often, especially games of importance. Well, I mean, he proved that he can handle it in that Toronto game, right? So, Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but no, you've seen stinkers from Ward, and then you see games like the Islanders, where Islanders could have easily tied that game up. Uh, but Ward looked good, and then, and then you know, he plays a stinker like Toronto. Um, I think that, yeah, it's going to be inconsistent with Ward all around, but if you keep him in that back backup role and he can give you, you know, four out of six games solid, I think you take it and run with it. For sure. Justin, you watch the Charlotte Checkers a lot. That I do. They have been playing games as of late. They have. Tell us about these games and these players who will one day be Carolina Hurricanes. Please. They have not been great. Oh. They have actually been pretty bad. Uh, they Since the last time we talked, they lost four straight. They followed it up with a 4-2 win, took another L, then won eight to two in what was probably the greatest hockey game I've seen. Not not necessarily the greatest in terms of action and, and you know anticipation, but eight goals is is something to witness. And then they lost in a shootout. 
um, on Sunday, which actually brings up an interesting story. Sunday was a very interesting game because uh, Alex Nedeljkovic actually was called in sick around 10 a.m. that morning, um, and and uh, he there was a one o'clock game start. So obviously, you can't get a call to Callum Booth down in Florida in that amount of time and get him up here, uh, you know, to back up uh, Smith or even start over Smith. Smith has been not great. Um, but Smith gets a start, uh, and Checkers broadcaster Jason Shia, if you're pronouncing his name correct, um, he actually got to uh, get fill in as emergency backup. Now, uh, I got to talk to him and um, two other gentlemen I'll, I'll, I'll discuss about. Um, so Shia uh, actually has played um, backup for the UHL and the ECHL um, in, in, in those types of cases, but uh, he's been in hockey for 13 seasons as a broadcaster. Um, and, you know, he did, he did a morning skate, I think, earlier this season uh, because Alex was also sick um, again. So he, he's familiar with the team. So he got to, um, you know, get the opportunity to back up, and he said, you know, it was great. Um, it was a great experience for him. Um, he was glad that he he tried not to take too much of the spotlight off the team. And they they played, eh, they played, eh. Uh, Smith made 39 saves, and I believe the Checkers only got off, I want to say, 17 shots. It, they didn't really generate much offense, and they hit the post twice in the shootout. So it, things just weren't going their way. Um, but, uh, so yeah, in, in Shia's absence, they needed somebody to cover it and they had their VP of hockey ops, uh, Derek Wilkinson, and then their finance guy, Jamie Black, um, fill in, in the booth. So uh, it was pretty cool opportunity for them. Um, Wilkinson said he had a ton of fun. He, he said it was like the approach of two guys watching a game at a local establishment minus the cold pops. That's the way he put it. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was great for him. Um, so yeah, a little interesting story. Uh, but yes, Nedeljkovic, other than the you know a um, little bit of an illness, he he's played well as of late. I mean, he's still nine and two on the season. He's looking good. It's now that these two months to the start of the season are basically over. Um, Volucci basically says, hey, we're going to roll with Ned from now on. And it's been expected. He's played better. Smith has had multiple games where he's let up four goals or more. Um, so it, it, I don't think he brings that quote-unquote veteran presence that... Yeah, um, he's been disappointing from from what I've seen. He, you know, he he has some really good, some impressive AHL numbers. I don't think anybody was expecting him to be McCollum again, but... Yeah, and he's not going to bring that McCollum element. Um, that that was just a great hot streak by a guy who's who's you know been great in the AHL already. Um, but yeah, uh, Checkers looking looking a little rough. Um, they have a lot of home games in December, despite you know the Canes hitting the road for most of December. Um, they so they get to establish a little bit more of a, a home ice advantage. Um, but our our boy Alexi Sorella is killing it right now. Um, he had a multi goal game in that win over Belleville, um, and he is just he's something else. He's actually been playing really well. Um, he's working on a line with Andrew Miller and Yanni Wokenen. Um, so yeah, Wokenen's look good too. Bunch of assists. 
piling up. But the thing that's been really weird is Lucas Walmark is right now out with an injury. And they're listing it as upper body right now, but they're not clarifying what it is. There was no like hit or anything that put him out. It's it's just been another mystery injury, kind of like Stepniak. I don't know what it is. Uh, they're well, at least he's played this year. Yeah, yeah, true. But um, Valucci's been pretty mum about it. He just keeps saying that you know, hopefully we get him in the next game, and then you know, it doesn't he doesn't get slotted in and 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 stuff like that. But they could definitely use him back, uh, get a little momentum rolling again. They're still afloat in the standings, but um, things could look better. Hey guys. The Minnesota Wild played the Winnipeg Jets. The Minnesota Wild jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the first. They proceeded to give up seven unanswered goals to the Winnipeg Jets. The Ryan Murphy effect. Hey, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. 7-2 to Winnipeg. It was, it was my preseason, <laughs> believe it or not, my surprise playoff team on this podcast. They I are 15-3. Just going to take a bow on that one. Anyway, old old friend Ryan Murphy... Playing his first NHL game outside of a Carolina uniform. Bought out by Calgary. Bought out by Calgary. He got 16 minutes and 39 seconds. His team lost 7-2. to two. Murphy was a plus one. Just saying. Just saying. What are you saying, exactly? Should have kept, is what I'm saying. Is that what you're saying? I am saying should have kept. He was worth staying just to have in Charlotte. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Well, yeah, but... Such a, he was a dominant AHL defenseman. defenseman. I don't know if he was going to stick around in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I mean, shit, I'd like him in Charlotte. It would, yeah, it, they would. They could use him now. Um, Ganley's hurt and all that stuff, but yeah. Uh, good, old, good old Ryan Murphy. He was a plus one on a night his team was minus five. All, all I'll say. Matt Dumbo is a minus three. Jonas Brody was a minus one. Ryan Murphy was a plus one. Hmm. So, Makes you think. His first game back against the Canes. He will do one of those patented rushes where he looks like Bobby Orr until he gets into the <laughs> offensive zone. Until he doesn't. <laughs> until he no longer looks like him. There's a few strides there where you're like, wow, he's he's about to do something great. You know, I've heard so he had much some great rushes. stuff about him. He had some great puck rushes. Uh, and then... Yeah. He would he would panic a little bit when he couldn't find someone wide open on his first look. Like that's teachable, honestly. Best part. Well, of he's twenty four now, and it doesn't appear as if that's that lesson is hammered. Home. I mean, it's teachable. It's something you could teach a thirty year old player. It's not. It's not like he has to learn how to get faster, or learn how to have a better shot, or learn how to. Could he learn how to grow two inches and put on fifty pounds. Yeah. Um, the best part about that future Ryan Murphy goal. Eric Stahl with the primary assist. He's going to be behind the net. He feeds Murphy. Murphy, yeah, takes off like Orr. You know what they say about Eric Stahl behind the net. That's Eric Stahl's office. <laughs> Similar to Gretzky's office, but not Gretzky. It's Stahl's office. He has a phone and a computer back there. It's Eric Stahl's offense in that he spends a lot of time there when the puck is heading the other way. Yeah. he When he gets knocked down back there, he... Sits on a, he sits on a knee. He stays in his uh, office. For a while. But what you don't know is there's a little chair down there he's sitting on. It. He's getting some work done. He's doing some, he's doing some secretary work. Some, some faxes. And that's facts. Those are facts. About his faxes. Anybody have anything else to say about faxes or Stahl's office? Or... Um, no, no, nothing. 
<laughs> it was the facts. Crazy. That's the facts. That's why well, I just said that. <laughs> I am looking at a GIF of uh, Sidney Crosby. GIF. GIF. Yeah, In GIF. Sorry. We say that the people behind that called it a GIF, though. In this house, we say GIF. GIF. Make it a tweet. Make it a tweet with that with the house. Yeah. Picture that with the, in this house meme. <laughs> Make it a tweet and I'll listen to you. In Ryan Murphy's house. <laughs> we go <laughs> on, on the night we lose 7-2. What about in Steven Lorenz's house? What do they call it there? <laughs> I am not allowed to comment. <laughs> Wait, I also have another breaking announcement on this podcast. Really? Are you ready for this? I don't. Jersey Shore is returning. That is officially official. Yep, it's true. (laughs) DJ Pauly D just announced it on his Instagram account. I'm not saying I follow him. I don't follow him on Instagram. I follow him on Twitter. I don't know why I do. But yes. I'm trying to think of what this would be like. Like, we've moved so far far as a society past Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore is not what we need right now, but it's what we deserve. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a but it. <laughs> it's not what we need, but we this is our this is our punishment for being terrible as people. I have a new activity. All right, what's up? Okay. Let's 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 rank the Thanksgiving football games. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. I'm gonna, I'm going well, to go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. <laughs> okay, you go first. Number number 3. I'm sorry, Justin, but it it was oh, it yeah. was that Washington New York game. It was brutal. Yeah. It was a slog. Completely yeah. awful football game to watch. Number two. I already know what your number one. Uh, uh, I'm thinking about that Detroit Minnesota game. That was pretty of good. You're gonna pick the Chargers as one. Well, hang on. I'm, I have reason. I have good reason. That, that How was your guard? The Minnesota the Minnesota Detroit game was a more competitive football game than the than the L A Dallas game. But L A Dallas comes in at number one. Why is that? Just because there's no greater American tradition. Than watching Jerry Jones get humiliated on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> I think we can all get okay, I, I, I agree with you now. That's fine. I agree with that. A very right. mediocre Chargers team coming into Dallas, just curb stomping the Cowboys. <laughs> pretty hilarious. It was pretty bad. Best part was I was playing Dak in fantasy. Man, he had a tough game. <laughs> Different team without Z. They really are. Dak is good. Dak is good. I just yeah, think he's a very good. There's not a lot around right now. And that yeah. play, you can't run that play when Zeke's not there. And where is Des Bryant? He's not good anymore. He's not good anymore. He's not. He's rough. It's it's rough. It's rough. It's a tough, tough circumstances for Dak because your number one receiver has declined at the age of twenty eight, and your your all world running back is suspended, and then you're left throwing to Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley, and a seventy five year old tight end. Cole Beasley's fine, but yeah, Jason Witten's 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Terrence Williams is bad. Yeah, it's tough. Tough world. Uh, for I that. thought he was Terrencing it up. Does Switzer get any play as a slot receiver or no? Uh, he returns kicks, but Beasley's a very good slot receiver. How about that game that Keenan Allen had, preceded by an inc- an incredible game from Adam Thielen? Um, are you talking about the show Keenan and Kel? Keenan Keenan did great on SNL this week. Which I don't believe there was an episode because of Thanksgiving, but whatever. No, there wasn't. <laughs> the previous week, yeah. He, I'm sorry, Keenan's a star. I, I think Kate is is 
I don't know. It might be a tie then. Who? Kate McKinnon. Oh. Oh, I'm not a Kate McKinnon fan. I prefer, uh, I think Cecily Strong is, this is funny. Top three people in the show, go. Number one, Kyle Mooney, hands down. Kyle Mooney is, he, he's very underutilized, but he is one of the funniest people to ever be on the SNL cast. That's, that's okay. a hot take, and I stand by it. Wow. Watch his YouTube channel. It's gold. Okay. Uh, I'll go Cecily Strong at number two. No, no, I'll go Pete Davidson at number two, and then Cecily Strong at number three. Okay, I got Pete at number three. I got the duo of Michael Che and Colin Jost at number two. And then I got Keenan at number one. Oh, wow. Little uh, little New York insider trading tip. The easiest celebrity to spot in New York is is Colin Jost. Really? Is he just yeah. out and about? I've I've never seen him, but everybody has seen him except me. It seems like <laughs> it's just like a running joke in the city that you, you see him or his brother. His brother is out and about a lot. Tyson Jost. Tyson Jost. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he'd be very easy to see. Crowd people. I I would not be able to tell. Tyson Jost from the crowd. Pretty small guy. <laughs> One more quick topic before we go. Did you hear about how much the salary cap is going to raise next year because the profits of the NHL are killing it this year? Chance the rapper saves the NHL. That's what happened. <laughs> the Golden Knights effect. The yeah, Golden Knights yeah. effect. Really? I mean, it's, it's yeah, six million or something. It's going to go up like six million or something. Everyone in Edmonton is crowding in to see the Oilers play. Detroit in Little Caesars Arena is being Small filled Caesar. every single time. What's the attendance number on the PNC right now? Two. Uh, ah. <laughs> two. Yes. It's just... Mean three of us rotate in and out. Oh, big news, guys. Big news. Guys. Oh. Hit us. We're ready. Oh, this is big. The Carolina Hurricanes, as you know, are 31st in the league in attendance. However... The New York Islanders have come very close to being worse than us in attendance. The Islanders have only 62 more people on average at their hockey games. So we might just, and might I add, with so many road games, there's only like six home games over the next month and two weeks. And all of them almost are on Fridays and Saturdays. So I am going to make the prediction right now that in on January 1st, um, when we do our New Year's Eve uh, slash New Year's Day special, we're going to stay up all night till midnight, <laughs> and we're going to do a special, special podcast, and we'll live stream it uh, everywhere. We should totally do that. By that time, the Carolina Hurricanes will not be last in attendance. And I double down. I think they're going to be at 12,682 by then. On average. I'll take They're at 11,665 right now. I'll take it. I'll, I'll agree. I'll take it. I'll agree. Kyle, do you think that's going to happen? I do not think that's going to happen. Really? We'll see. You don't have faith in the fans? We don't have any games to move the needle in terms of average. Like, even well, if you get... More people in. That's not going to move the average. What's the difference of a? What's the difference of a Saturday night game, and in terms of that attendance, as compared to a bunch of you know garbage Monday, Thursday, Tuesday games? 
see, okay, here. I, pro I promise this is going to be it. And I'm going to be done. Toronto. <laughs> the Toronto game was 1,500 or 15,000. Sorry. Yep. That was Toronto. 15,121. I think there are 15,121 people who want us to wrap this podcast up right now. I think your listenership numbers are very generous. I think that when the fans walked into PNC Arena to see the Maple Leafs and Hurricanes, they instantly got a downloaded version of our podcast to their phone. Into their that podcast. would be good. Like the U2 thing with the iPhone? Yeah, I'm honestly out of my mind happy that Jersey Shore is coming back. You live yeah, that too. Oh, hey, Justin. I live what? Quite a life. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go. Uh... <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at K underscore Morton 9. Please follow me. You can follow Brett and Justin too, and they'll tell you all about it right now. Hopefully that's all they'll tell you about. I'm at... <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Lanky Lape on Twitter. I cover the Charlotte Checkers for Gaines Country. Brett? Kyle, that was really rude. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B R E T T F I N G E R. Go check out all our stuff on CanesCountry.com. That's it, though. Podcast is over. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank, Thank you for listening. listening. Thank you for listening, guys. The Hurricanes are 2 and 2 in shootouts this year.